it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland. Today, on Thursday, April 15th, 2021, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everyone? It's good to be back, TP. Hey, glad to have you back in here, Ben. Um, wait a little later in the week to do the podcast this week. Started a new job this week, so been kind of crazy with that. Also, went to the Braves game last night, watched the best player in baseball, Ronald Acuna, hit two out last night. So it was fun to watch all that. But me and Ben got a pretty good show for you all today. Um, we're going to hit on some of the biggest topics in the NBA, kind of talk about how everything's shaping out here with the season winding down. And we're also going to talk about the NFL draft with um, that coming up as well. We're going to talk about the quarterback since that's what's getting the most attention. Um, so Ben, obviously a lot of people, a lot of mock drafts and stuff. I mean, those all go based off of where they think these players are going to get drafted, not based off who we think are actually the best quarterbacks in this draft class. Um, ben and I are going to kind of break them down and talk about them um, and kind of order the order the big, pretty much the first round guys. Those are the only ones we're going to talk about, not like Kellen Mond and QB and Kyle Trask. Those guys will probably go in the second and third rounds, maybe even later. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get down and break down all that for you guys. Um, I'll say we go ahead and start things off with the number one quarterback. I don't think there's much debate here. Ben, are you locking in Trevor Lawrence as your, as your number one quarterback in this class? Yep. I mean, I think he's going to go number one overall. I think everyone thinks he's going number one overall. I mean, talent-wise, size-wise, he's, he's got it all, what you're looking for in the NFL. Um, I, I think it's a no-brainer to pick him number one. People have mm-hmm. been talking about it for a couple of years now. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now. I'm not going to lie. I think Trevor Lawrence is damn good. I don't know, though, if I think he's all-time great quarterback material yet. Um, look, I think Trevor Lawrence is really good. Like I said, he's a beast at running the ball. He's a great passer and everything. His numbers were not that great, though, when he went up against LSU and when he went up against Ohio State these last two seasons. I mean, the numbers were not quite where you wanted to be at for Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence, though, I mean, he runs – I don't even know what he – did he even do a pro day? Uh he threw at a pro day. I don't think he ran in the 40 and I don't think he lifted because uh, he was coming off that surgery at the end of the year, but he That's did right. throw it. He, he did throw at the pro day, but he's not doing a second pro day. He just got married by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Trevor Lawrence making those big boy moves. Got to love that for him. But yeah, I mean, I've still got some question marks about Lawrence, you know, he did not play well in those two big games against the two most NFL style defenses he's seen. I mean, I think he's a good prospect. I think he's going to be a good pro. I don't know though, if he's going to be as good as the everyone thinks he is. The thing though for him is he fits your prototypical NFL quarterback. Now he's six, five, he can run. I mean, I'd say probably slowest runs a four five, you know, which is extremely fast at the quarterback position, any level of football. I mean, we've seen what he can do both ways. He's played in big games. You know, I'm just kind of worried to see how he reacts to going to playing for this horrible Jags team. That he's going to get picked by at number one, you know, the weapons aren't great there. The line's not going to be great there. It's Urban Myers first time. I mean, could be a tough situation for him. I think he's pretty versatile in what he can do. Uh, I, I don't I – and mean, I think you can change an offensive scheme. Yeah. You know how a lot of people nowadays like to change it for what their quarterback strengths are? Well, uh-huh. I think his strengths, you know, are pretty vast. Like, they, they cover every category. I mean, it, if you want to do the short, quick pass game, he's got a really quick release that he can do that. If you want to throw the ball downfield, he's got a cannon of an arm. And with that big frame, he, I mean, he could throw the ball 70 yards with ease. I mean, so he, if you want him to be the gunslinger, throw the ball downfield, he can do that. So I think they need to settle in 
kind of after year one and figure out some weapons that that they think work best for him and build Mm -hmm. around everyone else because I think he can adjust to whatever Urban Meyer wants him to do. Yeah, I do agree with you on that, though. I think Urban Meyer is the right coach for him. I just don't know how he's going to handle everything. But I think Urban Meyer, you know, he's going to take a lot of those. I think a lot of, like, the systems and offenses, everything that Urban Meyer runs, I think they translate well to help Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, for like, I mean, they brought in Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer's an offensive coach, so, you know, they kind of brought, brought him in his system in to um, kind of, you know, cater to Lawrence, which is smart. You know, Urban Meyer's always been famous for having those great dual-threat quarterbacks. And so, he's never he's never gone the NFL route, so they're going to be going through this together. So mm-hmm. there's going to be the ups and downs. They're going to go through it together. Um, you know, with these two, it they're either going to sink or or they're going to flourish. Um, it, it's it's a really good football mind in Urban Meyer, but the NFL is it's a different it's a different game, it's a different style of coaching. So, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of people around the NFL that think that Urban Meyer will be able to figure out he's been in football long enough that this mm-hmm. isn't going to be totally new to him. And, you know, he's going to surround himself with, with coaches who have been there before. Um, it, it's going to be a total effort. I remember when Urban Meyer was doing his, um, his uh, interview, um, his press conference, when he got hired, he was saying like, my number one thing is accountability. Like I, my offensive coordinator or it, I don't know. I don't even know who's calling plays, but whoever's calling plays, the offensive coordinator uh, or himself, he goes, it's, it's your job to get the offense rolling. I need my defensive coordinator to handle the defense and I'll do my job. It, it's very like, it's very do your job, which is very Bill Belichick. You know, that's his famous saying. So uh, accountability is big in the NFL. You can't uh, coach these kids like they're college kids because they're making more money than you and they're yeah. grown ass men. So I think urban's attacking this, uh, from the beginning, very smartly, very smart. And I'm very intrigued to see how this turns out. No, I am too. I mean, it's going to be a fun, you know, it's, it's kind of fun, honestly, to watch stories like this. Like, you know, it was fun to watch Herbert and Burrow. Obviously their teams aren't really winning, but I mean, shit, every single Sunday I wanted to watch the Chargers and Bengals just to see what these young guys can do. I mean, same thing even with Kyler Murray. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You just want to see them compete and keep these games close. So it's definitely gonna be fun to see how all that plays out and everything down in Jacksonville. I mean, I would let's put it this way if I had to bet on who would be the best quarterback out of this class I wouldn't take Trevor Lawrence but that's also not me saying he's not going to be the best one I just don't think he's as much of a shoe in as everyone thinks it is um who you have as your second best quarterback from this class Ben so I actually I'm actually going to go with Trey Lance um I don't I don't think Trey Lance will be the second quarterback taken I agree but I I mean listen I'm not going to sit here and say that I've watched a lot of North Dakota State football. I mean, he's also only you started have? for uh, – I believe he's only started for a year, a year, right? Maybe a season and a half now? Yeah, he does not have that much starting experience. Um, Listen, I think his size – I mean, listen, I, I know that a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of people in the NFL have good size nowadays, and it doesn't always work out. I, I understand that. And I know that people are just going to compare this kid to probably Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is a big dude. And he also went to the same school where he didn't really play anyone and people were this and that. But I mean, listen, this kid from, from how like the experts talk about him and from what they got from his pro day, there's not a throw on the field that he's not going to be able to make based mm-hmm. on arm strength and athletic ability. So I think with him, and I think with a lot of these quarterbacks, and this is going to be a common theme is 
Uh, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying with if you don't think Trevor is going to be the best, probably because he's going to Jacksonville. And Jacksonville does not have a very good culture. Now they're yeah. trying to change that because they're bringing in a new coach and everything. But, you know, the talent is there with Trey Lance. The size is there. And I think it would benefit him to sit and not play. So I think if he can go to a team, if a team drafts him that doesn't need him to play right away, I, I mean, let's just, for instance, for our Falcons, like, do they need a quarterback? No, with their first pick, but they could use one and maybe he could sit behind Matt for a year or two. And I think that would benefit Trey as he kind of learns the NFL, because I think physically it's all there for him. No, um, I like Trey, Trey Lance a lot. Um, I'm, I agree with you with everything you said on Trey Lance. I just haven't really seen him play that much. So, like, I don't really know. I think he's kind of like, you know, like the wild card player. Like, I think he could honestly end up being better than all these guys, like you just said. Like, I think, like, the, the skills and from what I know about him, like, he could be a freak, honestly. Like, I'd probably rather he's have him. good over runner, Justin. man. He, yeah. he can really run the football. Yeah, see, I would rather take my shot with him over uh, – over Justin Fields, to be honest with you. I think that the way he runs the ball, I feel like he's like bigger and more physical. And I think he has a stronger arm too. I still have some question marks with Fields, but actually call me crazy. I'm going to go with Mac Jones here. Now look, Mac Jones, he's still athletic. He can still run the ball and move in the pocket. He's not a runner, but he can keep you honest with his legs. He's an extremely strong arm. Yeah. He was throwing to the best receivers in college, but I mean, Mac Jones was making him that good. You know, Tua had the exact same receivers pretty much, and he didn't get as much out of him as Mac Jones did. You know, Mac Jones never missed a beat with this Alabama offense. They ran so well. I mean, he would have beaten Auburn in that one game if he didn't throw two picks in the end zone. You know, like Mac Jones, I'm pretty sure, would have only lost, what, one game as the starting quarterback in college at Alabama. So, I mean, this guy's a winner. He's a freak. I think Mac Jones, with the way he passes the ball and the way he does everything, his size and everything, I think he's your prototypical NFL quarterback. Everybody is in love with all these running quarterbacks is what we see Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes do. I mean, a pocket passer to Tom Brady still won the Super Bowl. That's still the way to build your team. Put Mac Jones in an offense where he has a running, where he has a run system and he has the fast receivers. He'll get them the ball and he'll make everything happen. I think Mac Jones will be the second best quarterback when it's all said and done out of this draft class. I, I mean, I have no hate for Mac. I, I think if if we're going to talk about a player going to a system in order for him to be successful, like it, yeah. it, it's Mac and it's way more than anyone else. Um, now, the team that's been linked to him the most in terms of rumors. I think is the best fit for him, which is the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shannon has had a lot of I success agree. with this type of quarterback. Um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo went to mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. Uh, Jimmy's a little bit more athletic than Mac, um, but I think Mac might. I mean, Mac's got to do it in the NFL. I, I would not call Jimmy Garoppolo a pure NFL passer. That's the weaker part of his game is is passing the ball downfield. Um, I think Mac would be an upgrade in that, but we got to see him throw the ball. He threw a tremendous deep ball in college. Mm -hmm. He's going to have to uh, show that he can do that in the pros when you have a little bit less time. I just, I'll get into Mac when, when I talk about where I have him, but I think he can be good, but I think there's a lot more variables with him than some of the other quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, trust me, I, I agree with you on, on that with Mac Jones. I mean, there's definitely a, some questions and stuff. Like, he's not a shoe in I just feel like what I've seen from Mac Jones, I know he's a winner. And, I mean, 
he's definitely going to have to be in the right system. I mean, almost every single player, though, you know, at this point in time, they have to be in the right system. And Mac, if Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, which I think is what's going to happen, I think he's going to have, I think he might end up having the best career out of all these guys. Um, I'll go, I'll go next first for this next one. Um, the third quarterback on my list, I'm actually going to go with Trey Lance here, Ben, just like you did. You know, obviously we haven't seen Trey Lance play yet, but I like everything that I've heard and seen. He's big, he's fast, like you can throw, like we were just saying. I think Trey Lance has so much upside. I mean, it could be like, honestly, Trey Lance could end up being like that next Mahomes type quarterback, you know, and I like rolling the dice with a guy like that. I think that there's a lot of his game, you know, that translates really well to the NFL from what I know and from what I've seen. Um, I think Trey Lance too, you know, he's a winner. He's played winning football his entire career. He's one of those guys who, you know, had to kind of, I was watching him talk about him on, you know, how they do like those ESP and like draft player draft profiles. They did one on him and they're talking about him, how hard he works and everything. That just seems to be your, t- your prototype for the type of player who succeeds in the NFL. It's never, I mean, obviously the guys like Lawrence and stuff like they're good. But I mean, look at Brady. He's splitting time at Michigan. I mean, look at Josh Allen. He played at freaking Wyoming. That was like the only D one offer that he even got. Um, you know, these guys there, Patrick Mahomes too, you know, like he, him with Texas tech, you know, this Texas tech team wasn't even really that good when he played there. Like these guys have worked their ass off to get to the point they are. They know how hard work is. They're going to be the type of guys that are, you know, they, they lose a playoff game. They're not going to go do the Odell Beckham out on a yacht. You know, they're going to be back the next day. They're going to be back in the gym getting better. And that's all they're focused on. I think Trey Lance has that kind of mindset. And I think that's, what's going to take him to the next level. Number three for me is going to be Zach Wilson. I, you know, I, I think Zach Wilson's game, I know that his his size might uh, kind of worry some people. I actually think he fits the NFL quarterback position a lot better than if he was trying to come out a couple years ago. He, what quarterback, what, what, uh, what quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators, at least what I've seen, have loved to do over the past, let's just call it three years, Mm-hmm. is move your quarterback outside the pocket, if that's his game. And a lot of the young quarterbacks in today's NFL are, are all pretty mobile. I, I mean, listen, I think Trevor Lawrence is, is one step below God in terms of, like, physical ability. He can make any throw. Yeah. I think Zach Wilson is the next best in terms of throwing when his feet aren't set. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him do it a lot at BYU. Uh, rolling outside the pocket, throwing a bomb 50 yards down the field. I listen. I I think if if I was the Jets, from where the Jets are drafting, I would probably take. I would probably take Wilson if you want to take a quarterback with their first pick. That's who I would take if I'm the Jets. Um, now, obviously, I have him rated third. I had Trey Lance second, but. I think this kid is going to have a good chance to thrive in the NFL because I think his his strengths of his skill set, I think, are what we see be pretty successful in the NFL right now. And that's rolling outside the pocket, mm-hmm. making good decisions, and being accurate. And listen, I I see him being a – like, I mean, these, these two players are not on the same level, but the same type of player of a Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson is how I see – it's how I see Zach Wilson. I think the more you roll him outside the pocket, the more success you're going to see from him. I think if you try and make him a drop back passer, I don't think you're utilizing all of his skill set. And I think his athletic ability is really going to be an advantage in the NFL. And one thing he's going to have to learn, just like how Kyler is going, Kyler Murray's going through this process now is when you can run, but you're not that big, 
like the, the guys in the NFL are just as fast as you. So you got to learn how to get down. You got to learn when, how, uh, when the right opportunity to get the extra yard. And I think if he can learn that quick and stay injury free, because we saw once, once Kyler's shoulder was banged up last year, different person. And, yeah. and that's, and unfortunately that's going to be the story of Kyler Murray's career. That that's the story when you're a shorter quarterback is can you see over the line? And can you stay away from big hits? And I think Zach Wilson, his athletic ability is going to help him shine in the NFL. So I actually have Zach Wilson at number four. Um, okay. I think he's risky, to be honest with you. He's a lot of times when he plays that step up in talent, he struggles. Now, he did play at BYU, but I mean, the couple times that I watched him specifically, I always think back to that Utah game. I mean, that defense was nasty for Utah, but I mean, he looked lost out there on the field, you know, like he did look like he couldn't really get anything going against BYU. I mean, against Utah, Utah looked like they could get whatever they wanted. Now that could be his talent around him, but at the same time, you know, like I, like when I watched BYU games this year, they're bragging about how stacked up those other teams were that he played for, you know? So I don't really and know. Coastal, how, I believe Coastal Carolina beat BYU, right? Yeah, they they did, they did. But they just kept talking about how those older BYU teams he played on were stacked up. So that kind of made me even more be a little hesitant on him. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks with Zach Wilson. I really want to see how he plays against these bigger, more physical defenses. We've got these fast pass rushers. I want to see what kind of decisions he makes when he gets outside of the pocket and makes those decisions. Um, I still think there's a lot of question marks. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be a complete bust. I don't think he will be a complete bust. I think he can be. At worst, I think he can kind of be, a, you know, middle of the pack. I think he's – let's put it this way. I think he can definitely be an NFL starter for a good bit of years. I just don't know if he's going to be that guy worthy of being taken with the number two overall pick. I also think New York, you know, I think that he's going to have a better shot to be better in New York this time or this time around than Sam Darnold did. But, I mean, this Jets team has been a shit show for a while, and it could be a rough situation for him to walk into. I just don't know if it's the right situation for him. You know, like whoever the 49ers take it three realistically – is going to win the lottery because they're going to walk into a great system where they get Kyle Shanahan, you know, like that's the biggest thing with these quarterbacks. Like it depends on kind of what you're going to put around them when they're young. And that really shapes them out. Like Zach Wilson, I, I think it could be end up being bad, but like you said, I mean, he does have a strong arm. He is athletic. He's fast. So, I mean, he has the attributes. I just want to see how it actually translates over the NFL. I just feel like whenever he's played that next level talent, he hasn't looked like all that. And the Jets will have a, a first-year head coach as well, uh, which I think is worth mentioning. So, listen, I, I think the Jets are definitely trying to change the culture. Um, the Jets have done a much better job of drafting. They mm-hmm. they did a they had a good draft last season. Um, and listen, they they still need some work on the offensive line. Um, they definitely need need some receivers and, and some more playmakers, but. It's it, it it just feels like the Jets are kind of starting to turn the wheels into the positive direction but it's it's churning slowly because because now after you're coming off a big draft class um you, you know you're bringing especially if they have I think they're building in the right way. And, and listen, they got a good defense that can really help a quarterback out. So they're going to rely on the defense. They got a defensive minded head coach. Um, so, so my actually have Mac Jones. Um, I view Mac Jones as like a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. I yeah. think like he's good enough to win you games in terms of arm strength and intelligence. 
and, and stuff like that. But, but he's not going to do it himself. Like he needs help. If he doesn't have playmakers, if he doesn't have a run game, if he doesn't have a good defense, I don't think he's going to win the, the big moment, the big games, especially if he can get to the playoffs, no matter who your coach is. And, you know, I get that you can say that for everyone. Not, no one in the NFL does it himself. Tom Brady will be the first one to admit you. And then he's had unbelievable teammates, but, you know, no one does it themselves. I think Mac needs a little bit more help than other quarterbacks who are more mobile because of today's NFL. These guys are so fast. And if, if he's going to go up against a good pass rush, like he's not going to get at – you have to – you have to automatically go to the short passing game versus if Jacksonville's not protecting Trevor Lawrence, he can kind of get outside the pocket, maybe make a play. And not a lot of quarterbacks that come into today's league. So the young quarterbacks in the league that are successful, how many can you name guys that, that are pocket passers, strictly pocket passers? There's not many. Yeah. that's There's tough. not many, right? Like if you, if you go through the younger quarterbacks in the league right now, just off the top of our head, right? Mahomes, Wilson, I'm not going to call Rodgers young, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar, uh, Baker. Um, who am I missing? Who else has been pretty good that's young? Um, I guess I mean, you Lamar, get my, Lamar Jackson doesn't count, but um, yeah, no. Well, I get you, you, get my, you get my yeah. point. I think people listening get my point is all of these guys can move, and that's Baker Mayfield's strength is getting outside the pocket, and that's when we saw the Browns start to really turn it around was when their new coach came in and he goes, yeah, I'm going to use Baker's athleticism, do a lot of rollouts. And obviously he's got Chubb and Kareem Hunt, which the 49ers, if Mac Jones goes there, they don't have those type of running backs. But if defenses can make him a strictly pocket passer, I think that's a big disadvantage for Mac Jones because of how today's NFL shapes up for the quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, I personally don't think it'll end up being a problem for him. I think he definitely needs to go into the right system. But at the same time, I think that Mac, that Mac Jones with that Kyle Shanahan combination, you know, I think he's going to be able to throw the ball down the field and he won't end up having just because, you know, Kyle Shanahan, I feel like has the best kind of, you know, because him and Matt LaFleur, basically LaFleur is Shanahan's understudy. I feel like they have the best current system to pocket pass, which is they set it up with that power run game. You know what I mean? In the like, Saints. Yeah. You got to Sean Payton. I didn't even think about Drew Brees. Yeah. But yeah, because Drew Brees used to be one of those get, get outside of the pocket guys, but he's turned in more of one of those stand in the pocket guys now that he's gotten older. But yeah, you know, like all those teams that, what do they do? They run the hell out of the football. I feel like that's what you got to have to do. And I feel like that he's going to go to the right situation in order to be able to do that. Um, so, all right. So we're four quarterbacks deep now. I, hey, we got the same guy then as our fifth quarterback, Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's it's the accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't consistent enough, especially this past year in college. Um, you know, he had the game against uh, Indiana where I think he threw three or four interceptions. Um, there was another game. What was the other kind of bigger game Ohio State played all year? Um, where, he that well. where, where, he, where Fields didn't play well? Yeah. Northwestern in that uh, conference Northwestern, championship game. You. Yeah, and, and listen, Northwestern had a very highly rated defense, but that's not necessarily the point. The skill set is on there for Justin Fields. I mean, listen, he was, depending on what website you look at, the number one or number two quarterback coming out of high school right with Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, a five-star kid, uh, obviously didn't play much at Georgia behind Fromm, transferred, 
And everyone was like, immediately, Ohio State is back in the national championship conversation. Like, he's that good on paper, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think he just needs to be a little bit more consistent. I think his running ability um, is is something special. He, he's a guy that third and one, third and two, like you can just call a QB, you know, shotgun QB sneak up the middle like Cam Newton used to do. He's big enough. He's willing to do it. He's aggressive when he runs. It's just the accuracy. You can't be a good NFL quarterback if you're missing throws. And he just misses a little, a couple too many throws in college um, and on tape. So, you know, I don't pay much attention to pro days. I don't pay much attention to what Mel, Mel Kuyper and all these guys say because I think they just throw out a bunch of nonsense. It's all opinionated. If you like their opinion, you're going to believe in it. You know, if you don't like my opinion, okay, don't listen or just ignore me. So it, it's all opinionated. We're going to have to see how these guys turn out. I would not be shocked if Justin Fields turns out to be a better pro than he was in college. I don't think yeah. a lot of people would be shocked by that. But I also don't think a lot of people would be shocked if his accuracy doesn't get better in the NFL. No, I agree with you completely. I think the accuracy is going to have to get better. Um, I think, look, he played a great game against Clemson, but he looked lost against Alabama and Northwestern. Um, and Indiana. Yeah, and Indiana. Um, you know, I think that there's still, like you said, you know, there's still a lot of question marks with Justin Fields. I personally don't think he's that great of a thrower. I think he's a little bit more of a runner. I think that – I think he needs to sit for a little while, to be honest with you. I think he's the, I think he. Well, here's, here's what I, here's kind of what I want to say is, uh -huh. you know, in sports nowadays, people are too quick to judge these kids. If you have mm -hmm. a bad rookie year, they're ready to call you a bust. I mean, let's not forget what Josh Allen's rookie, rookie year looked like, right? I mean, he was one of the worst passers in the NFL. And it, was yeah. it two, it was either his rookie year or his first two years. And then listen, he turned it around when they got his team more weapons and, I, you know, he's, Allen's a little bit bigger than Fields, but Fields kind of reminds me of that. Like he's a, he's a guy that's willing to run, to use his body in the run game to help yeah. out a team's run game. And his biggest question mark is accuracy. Listen, the arm strength is there. This kid can throw the football. And that's the same question people have with Josh Allen. People were writing Josh Allen off pretty early in his career. Look at him now. I mean, Josh Allen is the best red zone quarterback we have seen in a while because he's never thrown an interception in the red zone or maybe he's got one now if he did late in the year yeah, i was about to say i think he threw one i think in the he AFC did championship game i think i was gonna say i think he did in the playoffs so he's got one and I, I think fields could be like that i think he might struggle maybe for a year or two if he yeah. plays right away but i think his skill set like he can ramp it up and i think people are going to give up on this kid quick yeah, see, I agree with you. I think that's foolish. I, I could see teams giving up on him quick, a team stash him for a little while, and then watch him step in and be a much better quarterback, by the way. Told me to toot my own horn, but a couple years back, your boy did predict Josh Allen to be the best quarterback out of that draft class. Thought he was always the best guy from that class. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say Justin Fields is going to be a bust. I just think that there's a lot of question marks, and I want to see Justin Fields answer them and prove them to me. Based off of everything that I've seen, I see the most question marks in him and Zach Wilson. I think Mac Jones, worst-case scenario, you know, will be like a top – like you know like 12 to 18 quarterback like you said like a Kirk Cousins you know what I mean like I think that you know like a lot of these guys like their worst case scenario is they're still good to like above average to average to maybe a tiny bit mm -hmm. you know you know what I mean worthy of being starting NFL quarterbacks I just think Zach Wilson and Justin Fields have the most question marks about them but I mean 
This draft class is stacked, man. It's very rare that you get five quarterbacks come out who can be NFL starters. Yeah, and I don't mean when I'm comparing Mac to a Kirk Cousins type, like I don't mean that with any disrespect or yeah. or anything. Kirk Cousins has made a ton of money oh, yeah. in his NFL career. And he's I mean, Kirk Cousins is above average quarterback, but he's not great. You know, mm-hmm. I you know, um, they're just guys that need help. And and there's nothing wrong with that. There's so many of those guys in the NFL. Oh, ab- no, absolutely, Ben. I agree with you completely on that one. Um, for the sake of time, though, guys, we're going to go ahead and move to our NBA half of the podcast. But, Ben, it's, it's, that got me hyped up, man. I'm ready for this draft even more now. It's going to be fun. So next week we'll cover the receivers and backs, and then the following week we will hit on the um, the our mock draft kind of. We'll do like a little, like you know, like top 10, 12 mock draft. I mean, obviously, if we go all the way down, that'd take like three hours to do. We're not Mel Kuyper <laughs> Jr. over here. But, you know, you know me and Ben, we try to give you all what we think will happen in draft. But anyway – so, Ben, the NBA season is winding down. There's about 12 games left. Obviously, we had huge info coming out today of LaMarcus Aldridge retiring. Um, I was very sad to see that happen with his heart and everything. Aldridge is one of my favorite players of all time from my era of watching the NBA. I mean, he was – when I used to play big man, him and Shaq were always my two favorite big men. So, definitely miss watching LMA play and everything. But I guess we'll go ahead and kind of start out in the Eastern Conference. He's our perfect segue. First off, do you think that him – not playing or retiring do you think that really hurts the um chances of uh of the nets winning at all i would say no um you know i think he's one of those guys where uh he's a nice addition to have great veteran presence um but i don't think the nets needed him to win the title um or at least have you know have their odds change with or without him i I don't think it increases or decreases with him um, so no, I, I think the Nets are still in unbelievable shape as long as Kyrie, KD and uh, James Harden are playing in the playoffs. I think they have a tremendous chance to win the East and, uh, even to win the uh, NBA championship. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I still think the Nets should be the favorite to win the NBA championship with or without him. Um, I mean, it definitely sucks because you need another big body to throw in there at Embiid in the, in the paint, but at the same time, you know, I think that the Nets will be fine with without him in there. Um, you know, they weren't even planning on having him to begin with. So the fact that they even had it was a little bit of a boost for a little while. But and, and people want to people want to talk about like the Nets, you know, are they going to play defense? I mean, you have to stop them, right? Like, and it's not like, I mean, like DeAndre Jordan can play defense still. James Harden, he gets a bad rap for defense, is not that bad of a defender. Anymore. Led the NBA in steals last year. Um, and, you know, KD, you know, in the clutch moments, like he's going to mm-hmm. play some defense. It's can you stop this team? You know, I could see the Nets, you know, once they're going to get past the first round, yeah. I would say in a, a sweep or, or maybe a gentleman sweep. But, uh, you know, I think when they play their first good team, I think they might win, win it in six. But I think it's not going to be a stressful six. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, mm-hmm. I think they're going to lose some games in the playoffs, but you know, you're going to have to stop them. If you get to a game seven, are you going to be able to stop KD, Kyrie, and James Harden? I don't think there's many teams that are going to get enough stops against them. No, I see. I agree with you completely on that one, Ben. Honestly, I think it makes them a little bit better. I, th- I kind of like those lineups they play when they have Nick, Nick Claxton or uh, – DeAndre Jordan there's the big man I mean and they can use Blake Griffin too when they play small ball and I mean freaking Durant's six, seven feet tall you know six eleven. so either way you know I don't really think it has much of an effect on the Nets like you said man I mean and it's the playoffs everyone yeah. will try a little bit harder I think they're gonna be fine 
Yeah, I will say this. One thing that I kind of have liked to see from the regular season so far. So obviously, guys, we're going to we'll wait a couple more weeks before we debate for y'all the Philadelphia versus Brooklyn versus the Bucks. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll wait a little bit before we talk about that. I wanted to more so talk about how the, the races are playing out here for the bat for these back spots to get in the playoffs. Also, though, I want to say this real quick, though. Have you noticed how Milwaukee's been resting their guys on these second legs of back-to-back? They sit the entire starting five. And, I mean, like Giannis has had this knee injury in the past. They've let him try to make him play through it. Giannis has been sitting. He's missed the most games of his career so far. And, I mean, it's not like he's been that injured. They've just been better at managing everything. Do you think this will lead to a different kind of playoff performance for the, for the Bucks or no? I think it's a better strategy for them. Yeah. Um, you don't want to wear you don't want to wear this team out. And listen, the regular season doesn't mean much to them. I, I don't think uh-huh. there's a matchup that they're gonna get in the first, even really second round. Because what are they right now? The three seed. Yeah. So they would play. Are there ten? There's ten teams getting in. Yeah. There's there's ten teams. So the way it works is that basically the set the seven and the eight seed they have to the, basically like the way the bracket works is that in order to get into the playoffs you have to beat the higher seed twice in order to uh to take their spot so brooklyn would play the five seed right now um so, no as of right as of right now brooklyn would be playing the heat if the heat were to win both were to win one of the two playing games okay yeah so like I don't think Miami is a great matchup, and we've seen that in the past. Miami yeah. beat them last year, um, but I think resting. Listen, you, you need Giannis one hundred percent. You don't want him any knee injuries, anything lingering in the playoffs. I don't think the regular season matters that much to them because I don't think for them there's a matchup that necessarily scares them. Like Giannis is not afraid to go up against anybody. And I think you and I might think Miami might not be the greatest first round matchup if that's who it is. But I don't think the Bucs care who they play. I think they can beat, I think they think they can beat anyone. So listen, burning him out, playing these kind of meaningless games, like they're into the playoffs. Like they haven't obviously clinched yet, but they're going to get into the playoffs. So I would say this is a better strategy. Um, But we're going to have to see. I mean, listen, he's going to have to up his game. I also, I mean, listen, I, I say this all the time with the Bucks. Listen, they rely maybe a little too much, but this is how they play. Like, they need their role players to win them games. Giannis is not going to win them a playoff series. I'm sorry. He's just not. And I know that you yeah. pay him all this money to do it. He's not going to do it because he's not going to make a jump shot to win you a game. And they can clog the paint. Miami's got a ton of guys that can defend oh, him, yeah. by the way. Listen, it's going to depend on Middleton. It's going to depend on Pat Connaughton and 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 Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and you know I think every other team, pretty much in the NBA that's going to make the playoffs can rely on their superstar to to get them over the hump. But that's not the case with Milwaukee. So I think resting Giannis is 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 better for that reason. No, I'm going to agree with you completely on that one, Ben. I think Milwaukee put too much energy into getting the one seed two years in a row, which kind of screwed them over because of the bubble, you know, like that would have been huge. Like, I don't think Miami could have gone in there and beaten them the way and beat them the way they did, especially if they had to go into Milwaukee. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I, I got to agree with you on this one, man. I think Milwaukee's playing it the right way. I mean, you can't put too much stock in the regular season. I almost wish, you know, it kind of sucks because like you get done with March Madness and you go basically like there's like the two meaningless weeks of the NBA where everybody rests and then it's time for the playoffs. Now the season's kind of dragged out a little bit more. Like I wish they just go ahead to the playoffs. Like I was telling Ben before he hopped on here, the Raptors are sitting like their entire starting five now because they're trying to tank that hard. Like 
that's just the way that these teams are playing nowadays. So first thing I want to talk about in the Eastern Conference here is our Hawks are absolutely surging. Trey Young is not getting the love that he deserves. Trey Young has been winning these games without basically the entire starting five. I mean, our starting five to start the season was Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Trey Young, John Collins, Clint Capella. The only two of those guys who have been playing is Trey Young and Clint Capella. The other three guys have been injured. Gallinari's even been hurt. Bogdanovich has missed times. who's now stepped in the starting lineup. I mean, Trey Young is doing it pretty much by himself night in and night out. And he's getting no love and respect for it. The Hawks currently have a one game lead on the Celtics as well. Um, ben, how do you think things are going to kind of play out in this backlogged part of the East? I mean, listen, they, they look good. They're able to close out games now. I actually, I mean, listen, Trey, Trey's a star in this league and he's, I want to, Capella needs all the love, dude. I mean, a very good chance to win defensive play of the year, in oh, my yeah. opinion, for Clint Capella. And honestly, like, I mean, I don't think he's been the engine of this team. I think that is Trey Young, but he's right there with him. I, I feel like he is. I mean, listen, the Hawks needed a ton of help on the interior defense. He's provided that. He's a beast on the rebounds. And that complements John Collins' game well because John Collins is also a good rebounder. Yeah. And so a lot of really Scott could fly a good pick and roll man length. They figured out quickly how to play together. And do you remember? I don't off the top of my head. Do you remember what the Hawks record was when they fired Lloyd Pierce? I do not, but since firing Lloyd Pierce, I believe we're now uh it's I believe we're now sixteen and two since and, firing Lloyd Pierce. I mean it's they've gone on a tear, so we're I mean, I, let's put it this way, we're like four or five games below five hundred. We're now thirty and twenty-five, so big turnaround. And, and I don't I don't think uh, Nate McMillan will win coach of the year, but I do think he's he does he deserves votes. I do believe he deserves recognition. Um, and I'm pretty shocked the Hawks management hasn't extended him. I mean, he's, he's absolutely deserved an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could not be happier for him. Um, you know, he was a little tentative to kind of take the job is what the rumors were. Yep. Um, and Lloyd Pierce kind of said like, Hey, like you deserve this opportunity. Like, and he's run with it. The players have totally mm-hmm. bought into him. Um, I like what he says in, in press conferences when the, he, when they're talking about the offense, he goes, I don't even pay attention to the offense. Like, like we have to be a defensive-minded first team. This team can score. Like, this team can shoot the ball. You know, give me the effort on the defensive end, and you get the freedom on the offensive end. And it's worked out for the Hawks. Now, I've said this all year long. They're pretenders, and I still believe they're pretenders. But this is still a major step forward and a major win for the young core to build on and that is so important to build a winning culture and to teach young guys how to win because then you can build off that yeah I agree with you on completely on that one Ben I mean our defensive rating us Philadelphia and I believe the Suns over like it was like I don't I don't know if it still applies now but over like a, like the last like two weeks had the best defensive ratings in the league and I mean it shows though I mean when Lloyd Pierce was the head coach this team was running around like Kevin Herter would shoot eight threes in a row and miss all of them. And Lloyd Pierce wouldn't do anything. Or, you know, Brandon Goodwin would throw the ball of three rows in the stands three times in a row. Lloyd Pierce would just do nothing. Like, this team actually, not only do they play with a purpose, but they actually look like a real basketball team out there. They make you know, adjustments now. Yeah. Like, there's actually, yeah, there's coaching adjustments. It's not once that the like, what we were planning to do falls apart, then it's gone. But, hey, this team's surging right now. I agree with you, though. I mean, 
let's put it this way. I hope somehow we don't have to play Boston in the first round because, I mean, Jason Tatum is going to be tough to put out. I don't think Boston is very good, but, I mean, that's going to be a tough series. But I think the Hawks can take down any other team that is ranked worse than us in the Eastern Conference besides Boston. Right now it's Atlanta is 30-25, and 25, Boston 29-26, and 26, New York 29-27, Heat 28-27, and Charlotte 27-27. and 27. Um, So with all that being said, I want you to tell me if you think I'm right with this. So I think that Boston and Atlanta, that'll be tight with New York as well, just for those lap, for their, those four through six. I mean, one game pretty much moves you around there. I think Miami will probably finish in the seventh spot now. That eight seed's tough. I thought the Bulls were going to surge and make their way up there once they got everything together with Vucevic. They now have Zach Levine on the injured, on the COVID list. He's gone for 10 to 14 days, so that's going to hurt. Charlotte's whole team is beat up, so I think they're going to fall down a little bit. Indiana's been playing awful, but they did finally get Brogdon and Sabonis back. Turner's banged up now. I mean, the Raptors are clearly trying to tank. They're 22 and 34. The Wizards are 21 and 33. And that's the team right there that I think is going to take up and take over that 10 spot is the Wizards and get in this playoff. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I I don't hate that pick. Listen, it's not going to be the Pistons. It's not going to be the Magic. Uh, Like you mentioned, it's not going to be the Raptors. So I think if Chicago can kind of hold their own, not go on too much of a losing streak without Zach Levine, Mm -hmm. um, I I do think when he gets back, if they can make that final push, I think they are definitely the better team than Washington. But listen, Washington with their two guys, like they can lean on these, on Bradley Beal and Westbrook to win their games. Um, So I definitely don't hate that pick. The last thing I want to go back to, Hawks with, by the way, is people love to talk about how bad Trey Young is at defending, and I love to talk about it too. He's not a very good defender. The Hawks, I just looked it up, are 10th in the NBA in team defense. So they have figured it out how to surround Trey Young and and, uh, and be a good defensive team, and that's really important now in the playoffs. It's a different story. Everyone tries a little bit harder um, offensively and defensively and, and even with coaching, but the fact that he is a bad defender and the team is still top 10 in the NBA is an unbelievable sign uh, for this year and for the future. No, I'm going to agree. I agree with you on that point completely. So, all right, it's coming down to that. We're getting down close to the wire here. Um, do you think, do you think that the wizards will get in here? Or do you think the bulls will be able to write the ship without Levine and keep the 10 spot? I'm going to stick with the bulls. I'm going to stick with the bulls, man. Didn't you pick I, I them think- before the season started. I did. Okay. Uh, well, I believe it. I think I have that written down, actually. Um, I do have that written down. Here we go. I had the bull. Oh, actually, you know what? I, I just switched it up from what I predicted at the beginning. I had the Wizards finishing 10th and the Bulls 11th in, the, uh, in, my, in my predictions in the beginning of the year. I'm going to switch that now and stay with the Bulls. Listen, I think Vucevic is definitely good enough to win games on his own. He was he was winning a little bit even yeah. in Orlando, right? And this Bulls team is better than what he was even playing with in Orlando because Orlando just didn't even seem to try some games um, for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm going to switch my pick and go with the Bulls and have the Wizards just be left out. But listen, I, you shouldn't be shocked if Westbrook and Beal get this team in the playoffs. I mean, they're two of the better players in the NBA. Yeah, um, I think what I think Westbrook and Beal are going to end up getting them here into the playoffs. If Charlotte wasn't 
up so many games on them. Charlotte's up six games on them with about 18 left to play. If Charlotte, I mean, it just depends on how many teams your team's played, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would totally say they could knock out Charlotte, but now I honestly think, I think the Wizards are going to make the playoff push and take the Bulls out of the spot. But hey, it's to be interesting to see. I just think Westbrook and Beal, it's it's time for them to go ahead and do something. You know what I mean? This Wizards team, Rio yeah. Hachimura is finally starting to play better. I think this Wizards team has a lot of good young potential. They also made some good trades, especially like getting Daniel Gadford in there right before the uh, trade deadline. He's been balling out for them. I think they've kind of fixed a lot of their problems, and I think the Wizards can do it. Yeah, and with the Hornets, just real quick, like, I mean, listen, LaMelo Ball is obviously a big loss. He was playing unbelievable, but they have done a really good job of bringing in veterans. Like, Terry Rozier is there. Gordon Hayward is there. And I think Gordon Hayward's still out, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But he should be back, you know, at least before this last playoff push. Yeah. They have enough guys. Bridges, by the way, has been been much improved. Um, They're exciting to watch, man. That's the best way I'm going to put it with the the Hornets is – Terry Rozier has been very good in in Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't get talked about because Charlotte's a, a small market. They're not that good. Uh, they're not going to be like one of the, the top teams uh, probably ever, but Terry Rozier has been very good since he went to Charlotte. And I think bringing in Gordon Hayward only helped. Um, so listen, I thought they would have slid a little bit further when LaMelo went out. Now that they haven't slid as, as far as I thought they would, I'm not shocked, but I was wrong. Yeah. I picked them to make the playoffs where the season started. You know, I was very high on this team. They're just too – I mean, it's going to be tough. If they can get Hayward back before the playoffs, I think they're going to have a good chance. But, I mean, this team is very beat up. I mean, even P.J. Washington's hurt now. They're pretty yeah. much down to – I mean, Rozier was out the other night. I mean, it's pretty much Graham Rozier. You know, I think they could write the ship without LaMelo, but without Hayward, that's a different story. So, it be interesting to see what happens there. Um, we're almost done, guys. We're going to briefly talk about the Western Conference. So, honestly – when the Nuggets at first acquired Aaron Gordon, so the Nuggets defensive rating was in the top five in the league with Aaron Gordon on their team. I really thought this Denver team had a serious chance of winning the Western Conference. But unfortunately, now that Jamal Murray's done for the season, I think this Nuggets team, like, I don't think they're going to, I'm not going to say they're going to slide that much. I mean, they're 35 and 20, you know, they still, like they won last night without him fine against the Heat. I still think the Nuggets will be here in this four or five spot. They're probably going to end up having to play the Lakers there in the playoffs. Obviously, that'll be an easy road for the Lakers to get to Utah in the second round. But let's make some sense of what's going to happen after that. So you got the 31 and 23 Blazers, the 30 and 24 Mavs, the 27 and 26 Grizzlies, the 27, 28 Warriors, 26 and 27 Spurs, the 25 and 30 Pelicans. Okay, so first off, I'm going to say this for us. I'm going to tell you all why the Spurs are not going to make the playoffs. One, they actually have the hardest schedule in the league the second half of the season because they had the easiest one the first half. The Spurs team has been sliding. They've been playing awful lately. They've, they're uh, three and seven over their last 10 games. They don't have LaMarcus Aldridge anymore. But also, too, with DeMar DeRozan on the floor, they're averaging 113 points per game, which, I mean, it's middle of the pack. It's pretty damn good. Without him, they're averaging 103. The only team with the worst offensive mm-hmm. rating in the league is the Cleveland Cavaliers. This Spurs team is sliding. I think they'll slide out, and we'll get to see Zion and the Pelicans. What say you, Ben? I'm in agreement with you. Um, and I hate, I hate, no, I don't hate to agree with you. I hate that pop could miss the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, were they in the playoffs last year? No, they didn't make it. They made no, the they missed it. That was the, the playoffs. That's right. Um, 
it just doesn't feel right with him not in the playoffs because he's done it for so many consecutive years. Mm-hmm. I just – listen, I don't even know what's wrong with the Pelicans. I mean, that's not true. We know what's wrong. They don't play any defense. This team is 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 more talented than the Spurs. Like, I, I'm, I'm willing to say that. Are you? Yeah, I would absolutely say that. They're not yeah, better I mean, coached, but they're way more talented. No, not better coached, but Zion and Brandon Ingram um, – two just studs and listen Lonzo Ball is having a great year I think this is the best year of his career it's definitely the best shooting year of his career they if this team it's so frustrating like they haven't made one adjustment on defense all season like if you if they would just make some small adjustment give up eight less points all year they would win so many more games because the offense is not their problem so I'm going to agree with you, but I don't think the Pelicans can do anything significant in the playoffs, pull off an upset. I don't oh, think they're sure. going to do it because they don't play any defense, and it's so frustrating to watch, unless you have the over in their game. Um. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said, especially the over part right there. Pelicans, I think Ben texted me one night. He's like, the Pelicans have gone over like 15 straight times. Let's, let's do it again tonight. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't agree more. But um, They've hit the most in the NBA all season. Yeah, do you think this uh, Warriors team is going to end up – do you think they're going to slide out of the playoffs? Do you think they'll be in a play-in game? I mean, do you think they'll be in a 7-8 seed? No, I think they're going to be in a play-in game. I mean – I mean, boy, they, they're just a totally different team with and without Steph, which is obvious. I mean, he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's, his April numbers were just sickening to look at. Um, I I just don't think they're good enough to not be in a playing game. Like, I, they're not better than Dallas. They're not better than Portland. Um, I'm not even sure if they're better than Memphis. Memphis plays hard, dude. Like, I mean, they might – there's teams that are more talented than Memphis, but they play hard every night. Yeah. And, I mean, Luka hit that dagger against them. That was just soul-crushing. And I think – listen, I think John Morant is a tremendous leader of a team. He plays hard every night. His energy mm-hmm. uh, really gets this team going. He's going to bring it every night. And that's why I think they're going to be maybe a spot above the Warriors. So that's why I'm going to keep Memphis above them. Yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Memphis will definitely finish above the Warriors. Um, I, I think all the reason Memphis is surging, Golden State's on the decline. I mean, this Golden State team, this lineup that they use, the, it just it clearly hasn't worked out, you know what I mean? And I think that's going to end up hurting them a lot down the road, especially in the playoffs. I personally don't think Golden – I think they're going to play in a play-in game and lose and not make it into the actual eight teams to get to play in the playoffs, which sucks not seeing Steph Curry in the playoffs game. But you hit the nail on the head. Outside of Steph Curry, this team really doesn't have anything. They don't have James Wiseman anymore for the rest of the season. He looks like he wasn't really fitting in well, which I think is a huge blow because Wiseman's a guy who only played three games of basketball last year. You know, he needed a lot more time. So I personally think Memphis will hold strong here and keep this eight spot. And we'll end up seeing a Pelicans uh, Warriors kind of play in game to start things off. I will say this, though. I would not want to play Steph Curry in a in a play in game where you have to beat him twice. That's not happening. He he went fifty seven the other night. He'll do it to you again. But I will say this: I don't think he can do it twice in a row to you. But I think he can do it once. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. like just not playing all year? No, he's supposed to come back some point this month. Okay, so obviously he's been out for a long time, so mm-hmm. he might take a little while to get adjusted. But I think his presence on the floor is a big boost because if he even if his jump shot's not there offensively, like He's a he is a good defender. He can block a lot of shots. 
just kind of wreak havoc in the inside, uh, kind of next to Valanciunas, who's a big guy, but not necessarily a great defender. Um, is it is that just me, or is Valanciunas more known to be an offensive big man? Is he? He's more. He's just like a rebounder and point scorer. I mean, yeah. he's not a crazy shot blogger. But actually, I mean, Memphis has great defense too. The thing, their yeah, one, their I mean, one problem, which Jackson Jr. helps with, is the three point shooting. But they shoot it well from the corners. They just don't shoot it well from everywhere around the arc. You know what I mean? But also too, right? Like, but it, it happens to be their star player is not a shooter. Like John Morant's not a shooter. Yeah, he's a he's, dunker. He's he's a guy that's going to get you, you know, off the dribble to the rim. He can shoot, but he's not a shooter. No, I I agree with that completely. Um. Who's snagging the sixth seed? Is it going to be Portland or Dallas? I'm not going to bet against Dame Lillard. Um, I know that I know that Luke is great, and they're surging. They're seven and three, and he's even already complained about being in the seventh seed. Well, mm-hmm. don't get the seventh, and you have nothing to complain about. Exactly. And I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bet against Dame Lillard when it comes down to clutch moments. We've seen what this guy can do when his team needs them to come through. Um, quick little shout out, Carmelo Anthony. Dude, bravo. I mean, unbelievable what he's been for Portland these past two years, man. I mean, just so impressive. And listen, it's time to admit, I think it's for me to admit that I was wrong. Um, I'm just blanking on his name. Who did Portland just trade for? They got rid of Rodney. Norman Powell. Norman Powell. Um, Norman Powell. He's going to come up big in, in, in the late season, I think. The experience that he's got with the Raptors, man. Yeah. This guy knows winning basketball. I think it's going to benefit. I really do. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you. You watch a lot more NBA than I do. H- has he been kind of what Portland thought he would be? Yeah, he's played well with Portland. Portland, I mean, Portland is the sixth best offensive team in the league. There's ranked 30th in defense. That's their only problem is on the defensive end. I think they still have some lineups they need to try. They need to shuffle things around, figure it out. But I mean, what it comes down to, Ben, is what you said. It's Dame time in the playoffs and in the fourth quarter. Damian Lillard in in at the end of games in the final three minutes of the game, he shoots he shoots almost sixty percent from the floor, and inside the final minute of the game, he shoots over sixty five percent from the floor. So I mean, pretty much what these teams have been doing is they've just been trying to trap him and get the ball out of his hands. Well, he's got McCollum back, and he's got Powell and Covington. I mean, Nurkic too. He's Actually, so when they good. he's good off the dribble too. I mean, you oh, can double him, but he can just dribble away. from for sure. And when they have Nurkic in there, actually, their defensive rating is a lot better. It's just Cantor can't play defense to save his life. He's been playing center for them for almost the whole season. So I think Portland's got a chance to step it up here and get better. Dallas is surging, though. I will say this. If I'm Phoenix or the Clippers or whoever gets the two seed, I damn sure don't want to play Dallas in the first round. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we saw what Luka could do in the playoffs. But it, it just goes to, like, I don't think Dallas's role players are good. I Man, I don't think you can rely on Kristaps and – and Hardaway Jr. and and, uh, and and Finney Smith and some of these guys. I I, I like Brunson. I like Brunson. I will say that. Brunson's a very good backup point guard. I, I like Kleba too, but, but all the other ones you said I'm not a huge fan of. I do – I think Porzingis has played better since he's been going harder to the rim on these pick and rolls and stuff. But, I mean, there's still a lot of holes in his game and a lot of problems with him. You can expose him on defense easily. Wait, repeat that. Sorry. Um, yeah, we lost you. That you froze up there for a second. But no, what I was saying is that uh, I like Porzingis with how he's been rolling harder and he's been playing, you know, like big, like stronger on offense, not really fading and shooting those jumpers. But the one thing that I don't like in his game is his defense. Like you can easily expose him on defense. So I definitely do agree with you there that he is kind of a 
You can't rely. Like you can't rely on Porzingis to come up in big moments. He's never done it. He, he's never done it. I mean, he was always injured when the Knicks needed him to be the guy. Even when he did play, he's just been a little disappointing. He's not a bust, but he he's been quite disappointing in my opinion. And I don't think Mark Cuban really likes him much either. Yeah, no, I I agree with you completely on that one. Too bad that they're locked in on him for a long time. They um, tried to trade him. Yeah, they tried to trade him, but they couldn't really get anything for him. No one wants him. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot to be stuck in. But anyway, um, anything else you left for you, Ben? Or are you ready to get out of here? I'm ready, man. That's all I got. So what I'm saying. That's all I got, too. We went on for over an hour today. Me and Ben had a lot to talk about. We're going to have a lot more on our mind next week. Next week, we might even try to crank, crank out two podcasts for you all, depending on how everything's going. But appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.